This is I Ask, They Answer on the Equine Forum on HRRN. Sensational fractions here for Azari, who comes to the top of the stretch with the lead a length and a half. Bailey is now asking a lot more from Imperial Gesture, but she is still second as the field turns for home. Take charge, Bailey is toiling on the inside. Bartomega still six lengths behind. Mandy's gold star, one for long ago. Azari still there. Well, happy anniversary to the brilliant Azari. Tom Durkin had the call of the 2002 Breeders' Cup Distaff. It was 21 years ago today that Azari was voted Horse of the Year, one of only six females to ever receive that honor. Today, we pay tribute to those remarkable distaffers. Plus, what does Bob Baffert's dropping of the Medina Spirit Appeal mean for the Hall of Fame trainer going forward? And Dale and Tim will look back on Thursday night's Eclipse Awards and share their thoughts on some of the biggest surprises. Those topics and much, much more are straight ahead on this week's edition of I Ask, They Answer with trainer Dale Romans and turf writer Tim Wilkin and all presented by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program and the College of Business. And it all starts just 30 seconds from right now. Learn the business of horses in the world's only accredited equine business program, the University of Louisville Equine Business Program. The University of Louisville has a legacy of excellence educating and developing industry leaders for over 35 years. Classes are taught by industry experts in state-of-the-art facilities located in the heartland of America's equine industry. The University of Louisville Equine Business Program. When it comes to horses, we mean business. For more information, visit business.louisville.edu equine. All right, guys, we're going to start with what we witnessed at the Eclipse Awards on Thursday in South Florida. What are your biggest takeaways from Thursday night's Eclipse Awards, and and what were some of the biggest surprises? And I'm just going to start this way. Tim, I think you'll agree with me. My biggest takeaway that if there was a a better, more well-dressed couple than Dale Romans and Tammy Fox, I don't know who it was. They looked fantastic at the Eclipse Awards. Well, Dale's head doesn't need to get no bigger. But yeah, they did look they did look very Jewish. I mean, Dale looked like uh he he could have been an extra in a Bond movie and um maybe Bond himself. And of course, Tammy looks like she could be a uh a Bond girl. But uh, yeah, they uh they were styling pretty good there. Uh, hey, that was a good it was a good night. I'll tell you the best thing about that, that suit I had on is it's the first time I'd have been able to wear it in 20 years. I wow. spent all that money for a tuxedo. I think I wore it twice, and finally I fit <laughs> back in it. Well, you should wear it all the time now. Don't 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 be surprised if I show up in the paddock with it on as much as it costs back then. I don't wear it. We had a good well, time. No, it was a lot of fun. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, by the we way, that picture. Like a, looked like a prom picture. Yeah, the picture we're, we're talking about, I – it's retweeted on our HRRN Twitter account. So all you have to do is go there, scroll through some of the tweets. You'll find it. Dale Romans, Tammy Fox looking extremely dapper and Tammy looking beautiful at the Eclipse Awards on Thursday. Great picture, guys. Um, Dale, what were some of your takeaways on, on Thursday night's Eclipse Awards? First of all, I thought it was the, it was, it was the first one I've been to since I won. I think in 2013 I went. But it was uh, – it that's a gorgeous place, the Breakers. And it was uh, – 
I thought it moved well. I thought everybody, you know, except for a couple of instances you're always going to have, I thought everybody did a great job, showed a lot of class. And I was extremely happy for Bill Mott and, and the whole Mott family. Um, they had a very tough year. So he's probably had one of the best professional years of his life, one of the worst personals. And uh, they were all there enjoying themselves and having fun. It was, it was good to see. Was, they had a, a great night. And uh, a couple of things that stood out to me were uh, a couple of snubs. I thought, wait, as we talked about last week, Javier not even being nominated. A guy that wins the Belmont, uh, the Derby to Belmont and the Travers all in the same year. I think he should have been at least on the board for jockey. And I said, when's the last time you've seen a Whitney Breeders' Cup Classic horse not even get a sniff in anything? I thought those were some interesting. And then one, one of my favorite awards of the night, was Tom Hammond receiving a special eclipse award. What a great man Tom is and how good he is for the game. And there's not a bigger horse supporter in the, in the world than Tom Hammond. Yeah, amen to that. Timmy, how about for you? You know, I thought that um, it was pretty classy for Godolphin to let Kelly Dorman give the, give the horse of the year speech for Cody's wish. You know, everyone knows the story about him and his family and young Cody Dorman who passed away the day after the horse won the uh, dirt mile, and it was also kind of cool that uh, that Kylie Dorman, uh, Cody's sister, they brought her up to announce the horse of the year, which took any of the uh, drama out of it. But uh, I just thought that was a kind of a neat moment. And as far as the the uh, actual awards go, I mean, it was landslide city. I mean, there was every just about every category. No, all the categories were were they weren't close. The only the closest race by votes was the jumpers, and that was when Mary Maker won by 19 votes over Snap Decision, and that probably would have been closer if uh, the 26 people that abstained had voted. But uh, that's we've, we've talked about that before. But um, nine of the categories, the, the winning margin was 150 or more votes. Um, I was a little surprised that uh, Cody's Wish won by as much as he did over White Abario for Horse of the Year, 134 to 97. Um, <laughs> and, you know, to, just to piggyback a little about what Dale said about Javier, you know, Javier was not Castellano. Javier Castellano was not one of the top three in the jockeys, yet he finished second behind uh, Irad Ortiz, who ran away with it. He had 187 votes, and Javier had 17. I mean, that was just, that was still. One of the biggest snubs, and we've talked about that before. Uh, but overall, I thought the night went well. Um, I, I do shake my head when they make the announcement that the the winners are given one minute to speak. I mean, for a lot of these guys, it'd be might for for a lot of these winners, it might be the only time they ever get a chance to go up there and talk. And you know, you gotta cram everything into 60 seconds and most of them went over notably mike rapoli who went way over and you know i like mike i i do but um we could have done without the f-bombs that he dropped on, on his speech i mean in front of his whole family and all that yeah he's an excitable guy but you know we don't need the f-bombs in, in that situation mike come on you're better than that but uh congratulations to him for winning two eclipse and, you know, the one that is still a head-scratcher to me is the, the turf ones, the turf awards, because 
We, we talked about the Europeans that uh, were, were up for this, had just one start in the U.S., and they were both Breeders' Cup wins. Um, August Rodon beat up to the mark in the, in the, the turf, and he finished second to up to the mark for the Eclipse. But then in the female turf, in Spiral, who won the Philly and Mare turf, wins the thing, and that was her only start this year. Over in, 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 in an Italian was finished second in this one. So I, I was just um, puzzled by that. Um, if you, if the, the rules say you have, you can you can have one start in the U.S. and you're eligible. So if you win that race, the big race, yep, you're going to get a lot of votes. But I was just puzzled by one getting it and one not. That was a good night, and I think once again, and I said this earlier in the program, guys, that we were reminded that despite the negative narrative, which at times became the dominating story of our sport in 2023, there was far more good than bad with the game last year, and all of that was on display at the Eclipse Awards on Thursday, and and I was really happy for Godolphin. Um, You mentioned uh, the classiness of Godolphin at at the ceremony on Thursday night, Tim, but the, the class that they displayed after that somber grade one victory by Pretty Mischievous at Saratoga after the unfortunate incident with Maple Leaf Mel and yeah. Brendan Walsh as well, the trainer of Pretty Mischievous, good things happen to good people. And I was very happy for Godolphin. I was happy for Brendan Walsh. And I was really happy for Jenna Antonucci and Archangelo um, for everything they accomplished. It was great to see him voted champion three-year-old male. And Jenna, just like Brendan Walsh and Godolphin, uh, as classy as they get and represents the sport beautifully. So um, good things happen to good people, and it was great to see Thursday night. You know what I would have also, just to say, you know, when they had the speeches for that, I, I would have liked to have heard, heard what Brendan and Jenna had to say. But, you know, because of the they, they put the clamps on the timer, they have the timer running, they didn't get the chance. I would have loved to have heard what Brendan and Jenna had to say. Well, now we're off to 2024 and off and running with the Pegasus World Cup later today, the first big Super Saturday of the season. It's going to be a really good year in 2024. I just know it. There'll be more great storylines to come, and uh, can't wait to get to it. Guys, the second topic here this morning comes via email from Ed in Kentucky. And, by the way, if you have a topic for Dale and Tim, email the show, Mike, at horseracingradio.net. They love to hear from our listeners, and we'll get it worked into the show for you. Um, But Ed points out that it's rare to see a horse excel on dirt, turf, and synthetic. Dale, uh, I'm going to have this question for you. Ed would like to know how trainers determine the optimum surface and distance for a horse, and how do you go about finding that that sweet spot? Go ahead. Thank you for your question. But uh, it's – I'd say it takes time when you're you're training horses to understand your horse, and they'll let you know what they want to do. But it's still amazing me to this day how pedigree plays such a big role in it. And the pedigree will tell you whether a horse should run long or short. Pedigree will tell you whether or not they like turf or dirt. Synthetic's still a little new, so I don't know much about that part of it yet. The pedigree, I've just been able to run a horse on it. If they like it, they like it. If they don't, they run terrible. They don't like it at all. But it, it still amazes me how much pedigree plays into especially turf horses. And I've got a theory of my own. I don't have anything to back it up, but it Almost every horse can run on the grass, but a lot of those great grass horses just can't handle the dirt. I know there's all kinds of theories, the size of the foot, the push of their back leg, how much they get a hold of it. But at the end of the day, you start out with a pedigree that you 
kind of have in your mind, this is a sprint pedigree, this is a grass pedigree, this is a route pedigree, and you just go from there. And, uh, you know, the most dangerous horse, in my opinion, is one with with stamina and with uh, speed. And a horse, a really good horse will run short, long. It doesn't make any difference. Like I said last night, uh, which I thought was interesting, I didn't realize that Secretary was also turf champion the year hmm. that he was horse of the year. And uh, so there, there was a horse that could do it all. And maybe that's why we're still talking about him 50 years later. Dale, how did you know horses like Little Mike, for example, and and Kitten's Joy, that those horses were going to excel on the grass and at longer distances? Well, Little Mike I got later in life. He was uh, he'd already run through his three-year-old year. And so he was pretty much, we knew he was a grass horse. But there was always a question on how far he would go. But I never saw the horse get tired. He had speed, and he would go to the front, and he was a miler when I got him. When I went, to, if you remember, when I went to run him at the, in the Arlington Million, a mile and a quarter, Joe, Joe Bravo didn't want to go ride him. He said he couldn't go that far. He went right to the lead and, and kept going. And then he just stretched it to a mile and a half. He was just a freak of nature. He was one of those that had speed and had stamina. Kitten's Joy was a little different. When I got Kitten's Joy in, we were working him at Churchill and working him at Saratoga. I couldn't get him to go faster than 103 on five-eighths of a mile. So just out of, you know, because he had grass pedigree, and back then you could work any horse on the turf at the training track at Saratoga that you wanted. He was a two-year-old, and I took him over, and I worked him. And I looked down at my watch, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I said, 58 flat. I looked back at the clockers. I said, what did you guys get? And they said, got, I thought I hit it wrong. They said, got the same thing you did. <laughs> and so at that point, we pretty much knew he was a turf horse, and he was strictly a turf horse. And, uh, but a great one. And uh, that, that was the, that's the one horse that I will say sur- surface made the biggest difference in my, that I ever had a horse. He just wasn't an a- very average at best sort horse on the dirt, but was a spectacular horse when he got on the grass. And Timmy, Ed also had a portion of his question for you. He, he was asking if you can recall horses that found their sweet spot later in their career, such as a horse like Cigar, who after that mediocre career on the grass was switched to the dirt and became a monster. Are, are there horses that come to mind when you think back on those types of scenarios? Well, you know, looking at, at that question, you know, Dale already touched on the secretariat. I mean, when he was – the last two starts of his career were on grass. I mean, he um, – six uh, – uh, no, I think it was nine days, maybe after he uh, got beaten in the Woodward at, uh, at Belmont. He ran in the Man of War and set a track uh, track record when he won by five lengths. Then he went up to Canada and ended his career up there. So he was obviously a well, – well, we know Secretary was a freak of nature when likes we might never see again. But another horse that had equal success on both surfaces that I remember was Catholic Boy a few years back, won the Travers after he, uh, he won the Belmont Derby Invitational. He also had started his career on grass. Um, and, and he, he broke his maiden, I believe on the grass. And then he won the with anticipation. Then he went in the breeders cup turf, but then he, then his connections, Jonathan Thomas had put him in the Remsen at, at the end of his two year old year. And then the next year he was, he was on the triple crown trail for a bit when he was ran in the, um, uh, Sam F Davis in the Florida Derby. Then he went back to the grass. Then he went back to the, to the dirt and won the Travers. So, he was a horse that could handle both both surfaces. Um, 
but as far as uh, I, I couldn't come up with someone like a cigar. I mean, he, he was he was a once in a lifetime too. Yeah. And Tim wasn't wasn't cigar just by chance. Wasn't he in a turf race? Because he had all turf pedigree. He's one of them that, that did the opposite of what his pedigree says. But he was in a turf race, and they took it off the grass, and Bill decided to go ahead and run him, and he ran on the dirt so well that the rest was history. Yeah, that was up at Saratoga, I believe, one summer. Yeah. I don't think that Bill had ever planned on actually running him on the dirt, but when it came off and a lot of horses scratched, he gave him a shot, and, of course, we know what happened after that. Who knows what would have happened if it stayed nice, if it stayed on the grass? Who knows? Right. Would he have ever gotten a chance on the dirt? Because we get, we get a little pedigree blind sometimes and think that, Pedigree's the end all. Well, every once in a while, there's one that'll surprise you. Yeah, he certainly he certainly showed us on the dirt, didn't he? Yes, he did. Ed, that was a yeah, fantastic when... topic. And again, if you have a topic for Dale and Tim, simply email it, Mike at HorseRacingRadio.net. Email it to me, and I'll get that worked into the program for you. And Dale and Tim love to hear from our listeners. So if any topic you want them to debate or talk about, shoot it over to us, and, and we'll make sure we get it worked in for you. Guys, moving on to the next one, uh, and this is a big one. Tomorrow actually marks, believe it or not, the 45-year anniversary of Bob Baffert saddling his first career winner. That victory came at Relito Park in Tucson, Arizona, with a horse named Flipper Star. Well, the Hall of Fame trainer was back in the news this week announcing that he and owner Amir Zidane are dropping their appeal of Medina Spirit's 2021 Kentucky Derby disqualification. Monday is the deadline for all Derby hopefuls trained by Baffert to be moved to other trainers as his band from competing at Churchill Downs continues through the end of 2024. What does the dropped appeal mean, if anything, for Baffert going forward? Dale, you want it first? Yeah, I'll take this one first. First of all, I can't believe that Baffert and his attorneys didn't cut a deal with Churchill right off the, before he dropped it, when he had some leverage. And But he went ahead and dropped it. And then an hour later, Churchill said, well, we don't care. It doesn't matter. It's time for Churchill to give up the grudge. And let's move forward. We talked about unity last night at the Clips Awards, everybody who got up there, everybody working together. The game is better with Bob in it. The Derby is better with Bob in it. Churchill needs to give up their grudge, let Bob back in. Enough is enough. Tim, do you think we're ever going to see Bob Baffert's name in the Kentucky Derby program again? You know, for the sake of the game, I hope so. Um, But I don't know. Um, Churchill, I mean, Bob gave him the olive branch with this, you know, let's, let's move on from this, but Churchill, it, it, they, they just can't let this go. He, he's already served his time when they had the suspension, the two years that was up. And then they said, okay, let's give him, give him more time for what? Because it, there's a, there's a personal vendetta against Bob Baffert here. There's no doubt in my mind with that. And I think they just don't want to have him be part of their 150-year anniversary celebration. I mean, Bob Baffert is the Kentucky Derby. I mean, he's won the Triple Crown twice. I mean, for this thing to keep dragging out is just something that uh, is wrong. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't like Bob because of this, because the narrative puts this in in the even worse light for him. But Bob Baffert knows how to train a racehorse. He knows how to get a three-year-old ready for the Kentucky Derby. And, it, and it's sad that uh, it, it, we, the, the, our, our biggest race isn't going to have 
the, the guy that does it the, better than anybody else. And I think it's just um, it's a crime on Churchill's part that they're letting this keep going. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, well, hopefully this gets um, this this gets resolved at some point in the future. It would be great to see Bob back at Churchill Downs, not just for the Kentucky Derby, but all of the big races that Churchill hosts throughout the year. Um, and his ban currently goes through 2024, and we'll see if it's lifted at the end of this year, but it will not be lifted for this year's Kentucky Derby. All right, it is that time of the show where we say hello to our friend Nick Zito, and you guys get to tell me if the following statement is right or wrong. Yeah, right or wrong. Am I right? What do you think? Right or wrong? All right, well, it involves today's $3 million Pegasus World Cup, which showcases a pretty well-matched field of 12 older horses. But, guys, the, the presumptive leader in this division, White Barrio, has chosen to bypass the race in favor of the Saudi Cup on February 25th. Tim Wilkin, is that decision right or wrong? Yeah, right or wrong. Am I right? Of course it's right. I mean, I don't blame them for going to Saudi. I'll give you 20 million reasons why you can go to Saudi. Why not First run in both? Million... Huh? Why yeah, not run in both? Run He'll win them both. <laughs> Well, that I was going to, you know, four, it's four weeks after the Pegasus. Yes, you could run it both, but the uh, climate of today's uh, uh, horse racing world—more time between races is better. Um, we don't have the iron horses of years years past, and I know four weeks is more than enough time you would think for a horse to recover. But then again, you know, making that—you uh, you run the Pegasus, then you got to run over to. Saudi, how much does the, the trip over take out of someone after if he has to have an optimum effort in the Pegasus? To me, um, you know, personally, uh, I, of course, I'd rather see see him run in the uh, Pegasus because it's on our soil, um, you know. But it's a business, and it's a twenty million dollar purse over there. And if they just want to run in one, they're going to run in that one because the winner gets ten million. Um, I mean, this is only the fifth fifth running of the of the of the uh, saudi cup so uh yeah i agree with them they're thinking because they want to win the biggest pot that they can and they want to have their horse in in peak condition and he hasn't raced since the breezers cup he should, but to do it to do it to have to race then in the pegasus and then the saudi cup maybe they think it's too much on the horse got to respect their decision well, who am I to question trainer Rick Dutrow? The next horse I saddle is going to be my first. But, Dale Romans, you've saddled plenty. Wouldn't you want a prep race going into a big race like Saudi Arabia? Well, I've, I've talked to Rick about this, and I, I would never question Rick. If anybody knows their horses, he does. And he just felt like four weeks wasn't enough. The, the timing wasn't good from the Breeders' Cup to have a, a tough race here. Rick will have him ready in Saudi and probably go to Dubai from there. Two big, big, big money races. It is a financial thing. And, uh, yeah, don't question Rick because he knows his horses. And believe me, he doesn't have problems. He's one of the few to run them back quick. But uh, for this particular horse, he felt like the time was good uh, to give him more time. And he thought if he gutted him here running and wheeled him right back, it would be too too, too short between with four weeks on this horse. So I want to say the decision is right. Time will tell funny i remember going up to the breeders cup as we were leading up to the breeders cup on this show we actually talked about whether or not it was the right move to bring white abario in to the breeders cup classic off of that long layoff and it proved to be the absolute right decision so yeah i I guess you guys are starting to sway me in that that corner i thought 
I, I thought White Barrio. I thought they should get a prep race into him before going to Saudi Arabia. But uh, I, I think, you know, this longer layoff stuff seems to work for him. And Rick Dutro knows what he's doing. So we're going to bring that segment back again as part of the show next week with Nick Zito. But we have one more topic to get to before Dale and Tim make their final point of the week. And this one, guys, is going to be fun. It was 21 years ago today that Azari became the first female since Lady Secret in 1986 to receive the Eclipse Award for Horse of the Year. In total, six females have been voted Horse of the Year. All along, Lady Secret, Azari, Rachel Alexandra, Zenyatta, and Harvard de Grace, most recently in 2011. On this anniversary, I thought it would be kind of fun to spend a few minutes remembering Azari and those other brilliant distaffers who achieved our sport's highest honor. So, Tim, I'll come to you first. What things come to mind when you hear those names I just mentioned? They're all Cadillacs. You know, they, these, these horses, these ladies were just phenomenal race horses, each and every one of them. They're all in the Hall of Fame except Harvard de Grasse. And, um, you know, the, 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 the two I'm going to focus on are Rachel and Zenyatta because I remember back in, in the heyday of those two in 2009, it was the country was the horse racing country was divided east versus west who was the better who was the better uh distaffer and you know rachel zenyatta won the breeders cup classic in 2009 and did not win the horse of the year because rachel alexandra beat boys three times and she and she dominated the the voting that year for horse of the year i mean she she smoked zenyatta Zenyatta was, you know, that those two horses were, um, I mean, you make, can make the argument they're two of the best distaffers we've ever had. Um, Zenyatta with her strutting around and winning 19 of 20 career starts, and the only time she ever got beat was in the Breeders' Cup in 2010, and she did win Horse of the Year. The, those two were, the, the shame of it all was that they never got to run against each other. Um, it was going to happen, I think, in the Apple Blossom, I think, maybe the following year, but it never, it never came to pass. That was a race that I think the, 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 the horse racing world would have loved to have seen, and we're all going to have to uh, you know, wonder what would have happened if they would have met. Um, I, I don't know. But, uh, who, who would you have bet on that day, Timmy? I was a Rachel. I was in the Rachel camp um, because you know, I was the East Coast bias. I thought Rachel was a better horse. But after seeing Zenyatta in defeat, I don't know if, you know, she was just a phenomenal, phenomenal racehorse. And the fact that uh, she tried so darn hard in every race, she never gave up. I mean, she looked hopelessly beaten in in that race, but but she came on and just got beat by blame. But if they would have run against each other, I think it would be hard to, 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 to come up with the winner. But I think I would give a slight edge to Rachel. I don't know if, if Zenyatta would, would have caught Rachel. It would have been, it would have been an interesting race, but for sure. And it, you would have had to have seen how the race unfolded because they had totally opposite running styles with uh, Zenyatta wanting to go to the front and Rachel coming from off the base. Anytime a Philly is going to be horse of the year, they just have to dominate and they have to beat the boys. And they're just, it's a, it's a special year. And uh, I was, I, I loved them both, but I'll tell you, Rachel was the most impressive to me. Um, I mean, Zenyatta, sorry, I said Rachel. Zenyatta, because Zenyatta had to pass so many horses. Every race, you would think she'd be in trouble. She'd get stopped. Something would happen. 
But every time she found a way to get up at one time. And, uh, and she ran a spectacular race that day. That was one of the, the great Breeders' Cups classics of all time. But all those fillies are special. All of them, Harvard Grace needs to be in the Hall of Fame. They all should be in. If you're going to be, if you're going to dominate the sport and be Horse of the Year and be a filly, it's only been six of them and two two-year-olds. All those horses should be in the Hall of Fame. Yep. The thing Happy about Zenyatta is that John Sheriffs really made a conscious effort to share that horse with the public. I remember the day after the um, she lost the Breeders' Cup at Churchill. The next morning, he had he had Zenyatta out there and. Anyone that wanted to come over that was out on the backside come come over and have their picture taken with Zenyatta. And I remember seeing it going on, and then I went to go talk to someone else, come back a half hour later, she was still out there. So, uh, John it was, it did a class job. He's a class guy anyway, but the, he did a class job with the way he, he wanted Zenyatta to be shared with the public. But all those fillies, I mean, those 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 horses were just phenomenal in their own right. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to the brilliant Azari. 21 years ago, today, voted Horse of the Year. All right, guys, time to wrap up the show. We're into the final 16th of a mile, if you will, and we do it every week by having each of you give me your final point of the week. So, Dale, let's come to you first this week. What is your final point? You know, I'm going to say Thursday night was a special night. Congratulations to all the winners and all the nominees and it was a good year overall. Hopefully we have a great 24. But I thought the, the gist of the night was let's all get along. Let's all work together. Let's try to move the sport forward. I, I was fortunate enough to sit with Lisa Lazarus and Tom Rooney at their table last night. Great leaders of the game. The game's in good hands. Let's all work together and move this sport forward. Well said, Dale. I think people have to you know, quit running around with their hair on fire in regards to uh, – after the prices came out for the Belmont at Saratoga, I mean, you'd think that uh, fifty dollars to get into the into the race that day was going to tap all their resources. That's a cheap. That's a cheap price, man. Fifty dollars to get into it, the final leg of the Triple Crown. You can't deal with that. I mean, look at some of the other prices. Look how much you got to pay to go to go to the Pegasus. It's like uh, almost double, triple that, isn't it? But uh, and you know, also relax on the. The New York Racing Association not allowing people to bring in alcohol like they can during the regular Saratoga meet. You know, this is the same. This is the same protocol they have at Belmont during the when the Belmont Stakes is down at Belmont Park. You know, this is not going to be an average day at Saratoga. This is a final leg of the Triple Crown. Relax, people. You're, you're, it's a bargain that you can get in for fifty bucks, and um, the the. You know, the other days, I think it's 30 on Friday and 10 on Thursday and, and um, Sunday. So, come on, people, relax a little bit. This is a this is the big league now. Well, Dale, Tim, I just want to I want to say this to wrap up the program here. I'll give my final point this week, which I rarely do, but in honor of what we saw at the Eclipse Awards on Thursday night and all of those great storylines that took place, um, I want to thank each of you for taking time to be with me every single Saturday morning on this show because what you bring to the table for our listeners, each of you, is unparalleled, and I know everybody really enjoys it, and I just want to say thank you to each of you. Thank you, buddy. We'll do it again next week. All right, guys. 
If you have a topic you want to hear Dale and Tim discuss, email that topic to me, Mike at HorseRacingRadio.net, and we'll get it worked into the show for you. I Ask, They Answer is presented every week by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program and the College of Business. I'm back with more. This is the Equine Forum on the Horse Racing Radio Network, where racing comes to talk.